1: to Ladies Talking Leafs. I'm Chris. And I'm Sill. And starting the show off today with some congrats to Leafs prospects Fraser Minton and Easton Cowan who both made Team Canada's World Junior Team roster.
2: Woohoo! Also, um, congrats to Bobby McMahon who got his first NHL goal versus the Penguins last night because we are recording on Sunday. And of course, congrats to our captain John Tavares who got his thousandth point fittingly, against his old team, the
1: New York Islanders. Yeah, so lots of positives to get into with the Leafs. But uh, first, we want to let you know that Online is your number one destination for all sports wagering info, including news for NHL games, NBA, pro football and upcoming fights.
2: All the major sports are in action this week with college football playoffs ready to kick off. So head to the website today to get in on the action and see all the updated odds for the week. So remember to use our promo code believe that's B L E A V to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Currently bet online has the leafs at plus 1200 to win the Stanley cup. So bet online where the games start. Please gamble responsibly if you or someone you know needs support or advice. Reach out to Connects Ontario or an organization near you. Place your limits and play within
1: it. Okay, so this is our holiday season episode, and uh, we want to take time now to thank our listeners and the fans who follow us on social media. Some Facebook groups we want to give thanks to and mention are Friends of the Toronto Maple Leafs, female fans of the Toronto Maple Leafs, Toronto Maple Leaf Central, diehard Toronto Maple Leaf fans, and true Maple Leaf Fan Zone. Those are some great groups um, that let us uh, put comments in there as as a podcast and interact with fans, so we thank them very much. And uh, yeah, over the holidays, we'll be working on updating our Kofi page with photos from our trip to Sweden and the NHL Global Series and videos on our YouTube channel. So keep your eyes out for that don't miss any of it. And the way you don't miss any of it is by hitting that subscribe or follow button on our social media channels, YouTube, Instagram, X, Facebook, and threads. Our handle is at LTL1917. And be sure to check out our Kofi page at ko-fi.com slash LTL1917. You can find the links always in our in our show notes.
2: And before we move on, we want to also thank the great guests we've had on our show this year, our LTL insider. We have to thank him, Micah Jello of the Hockey News and Hockey Buzz, Lance Hornby of the Toronto Sun. David Alter of the Hockey News and SI.com, Cheryl Pounder, Canadian Olympian and now TSN analyst, Jackie Redman, sports broadcaster on NHL Network, and Paul Hendrick, who we will hear from in our third period segment, a broadcaster and former senior Leafs reporter on Leafs Nation Network, Leafs TV. Also, a quick programming note that our next show will be on January 10th. We're taking an extra week off from our usual schedule for the holiday break. So again, best thing to do is hit that follow button wherever you listen to us on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or your favorite app, and you won't miss an episode. Oh my gosh, we just received breaking news. You guys are not going to believe this. We made the final shortlist for the 2024 Sports Podcast Awards in the category of Best Hockey Podcast, Ice and Field. Wow.
1: Wow. (laughs) This is huge. It's a huge surprise. Um, Yeah. Uh, I mean, we just found out about it. So stay tuned to our social channels and uh, to find out more about how you can help us win. uh, We'll include the voting link in our show notes and on our social media. So our handle is at LTL 1917. Make sure you follow us. And, and yeah, and this is exciting. We just found out. So, wow. This is incredible. We
2: are so honored and it's all because of you, our wonderful listeners. So stay tuned for more details um, to come, but yeah, we're floored. Anyways, thank you Sports Cop Podcast Awards for this honor. And now it's time to get into the show. So we're going to start off with the Ladies Talking Leafs highlight reel. And then as we mentioned for our third period segment, we welcome longtime senior Leafs reporter Paul Hendrick, who shared his thoughts on the current Leafs team, a fun Christmas story from his time covering the Leafs, and some great stories about Leafs players and coaches. So without any further ado, let's talk
1: Leafs. All right, it's time to roll the Ladies Talking Leafs highlight reel. So Sil, give us what number? who's number three on the highlight reel this week. Uh, Number three, we have Austin
2: Matthews. So thanks to me calling him out in our last show, in our good, bad, ugly segment, that seemed to get things turned around for Matthews. And he now has 10 points in his last four games and four points in the game versus Columbus, where he basically dragged the team on his own to get us that point in that really wild comeback win
1: or comeback game. Yeah, yeah, that was just insane. It would be nice if it was a win. Would have been, yes, but (laughs) considering they only played 20 minutes of the game. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, no, that was just, that was just insane. His, like, the last, those four games. I mean, he was, he was sick. Unfortunately, got that flu bug for the Mm -hmm. game versus the Pens last night. But, um, now he has the most consecutive 20 goal season. He moves into fourth place with eight, um, as he passed former Leaf captain Rick Vive. Um, for most uh, consecutive 20 goal seasons as a Leaf, and he's now in fifth place with the most goals at home in Leafs history, passing George Armstrong, and he now has 177 career goals at home. So he just continues to roll the changing of the record books with the with the Leafs between him and Mitch Marner. Um, like I just, it it it's just unbelievable. Like both that that Columbus game and even the Rangers game, he was really. He was on it. He was a machine,
2: mm-hmm. as
1: as we tweeted out. So yeah, so that that uh, it's funny how every time you call somebody out, though, it seems that they always get on get on a roll within the week. So we got to do that more often. Still, mm-hmm. <laughs> work on that. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. All right. So coming in at number two is Matthew Nyes. And I mean he's been off for a couple of, like, because of the flu bug. He <laughs> hasn't been uh playing the last couple of games, but then he played versus the Pens last night and we're giving it to the rookie uh after dealing with that flu bug and he comes back into the lineup versus the Penguins and he gets the Gordie Howe hat trick. So that was just that was just a phenomenal the goal that he got initially. Like that was That was, was just, beautiful. Yeah. Like he just got the pass. I mean it was a good great pass by Domi. Like Max Domi is a uh, elite passer <laughs> right now mm-hmm. for us showing that. Um, and he that played pin. an
2: amazing game last night too. Like yeah. That uh, that chemistry just like between him and Marner just seemed to come back like magic. Um yeah. It's pretty incredible to see. So yeah, I, but, it was nice that they didn't miss a beat there. Yeah. One thing Gniz I would say
1: was be- go ahead. eyes though just with the goal like mm-hmm. he just powered his way as soon as he got that puck he just powered down the wing to get that mm-hmm. goal and uh, it was just great.
2: It's interesting uh, when you change the dynamic somewhat, you know, like you took the the main offensive threat off of that line with Austin being out and his role seemed to just change a little bit, you know, and so he got to use more of his offense instead of just being, you know, the the defensive get in and off the boards guy yeah. on that line. So, um it was nice to see and I wonder if that means eventually you know, depending on what they do, you know, trade deadline moves or whatever, like, you know, he could end up being on a different line where he can use his offensive skills yeah. that much more. Right. Yeah. That's that's Domi you're talking about. Right.
1: Yeah. No, no. I'm talking about nice. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think Domi, too.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. He for was sure.
1: He was moved sure. up the lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess playing with Marner obviously too right yeah. So um I thought with uh with Domi as well but um but yeah no too, obviously with Nice I mean that was it's funny maybe the maybe he just needed those I mean he had the flu but maybe mm-hmm. he needed also that bit of a rest right cuz this is his first full NHL true. season right That uh, is true cuz they don't play a
2: very long season right in college so yeah. um he's played quite a lot of hockey you know Coming off of the, the the playoffs in college, then going yeah. right into our playoffs. I mean, it was short lived, but then that lengthened the time that he normally would play and yeah. likely a lot of off season work. So, yeah, you might be right. He could have used a little bit of a break. <laughs> yeah. um, but one more thing I want to say before we move on, because we're talking a little about the Pittsburgh game is uh, you were at that game. Mm-hmm. I was not. Yeah. So you got the the in-game experience for that with all the the yelling at Dubas and stuff but <laughs> I have to say they kept panning to him in the box like like they always did when he was our GM but yeah I've never seen him look so angry in my life and it was
1: great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the only um, the only thing I saw afterwards I guess when when I saw the um uh, the highlights after the game at home, but uh, he was just there was one point where he was just like fixing his jacket, right? Mm-hmm. And I was just like, hmm. I'm like, oh yeah. And then, yeah. and Spets, Spets, it was just there reading something, I think, or he was yeah, writing I something. I think they're, they're, they're both trying to not
2: look like they cared at all that much, yeah. but, but I mean, he, he's terrible at, at hiding his emotions, Dubis. So, yeah. Um, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, anyway anyways, that was okay. kind of, kind of funny in, in a, in a, The Chat and Freud kind of way. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. So moving on to our number one position, and we obviously have John Tavares, thousand career points, captain consistency, the 98th player in NHL history to reach the thousand-point milestone. So from Chris Johnston on X, he said, John Tavares has more goals, assists, points and games played than any other member of the 2009 draft class. So
1: that is saying Mm -hmm. something. Um, For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And he, I mean, his goal and an assist versus the Islanders, like it was just the greatest that he did it Mm -hmm. there too. A hundred percent. Yeah. But it was right in his wheelhouse, like both plays. Mm -hmm. He was below the, below the face off dots and right in front of the net both mm-hmm. plays and it was the goal and the assist and it was just fantastic. And um yeah, and just that draft class, like in his draft class to to have all those, like to be number one in all those categories is is incredible. Like obviously it proves mm-hmm. that he deserved to be number one um in, in his draft. And um yeah, no, it was great. It was great to see the t- the team come off the bench. I like that part where they said like the small group of players knew that they could come off the bench Mm -hmm. and then I don't know if it was Mitch or if it was Morgan Riley that said if they were on the on the power play when he's when he did it like it would have been a problem because all those players play they're on the ice like nobody else knew it so it's Mm -hmm. like how are they going to get the message and they're like waving to right yeah (laughs) but um, but yeah no. Captain John Tavares, Captain Consistency, and yeah, it's great. They're going to honor him um, on Tuesday night versus the Rangers at home here. They're going to give him a a honor, his ceremony. So yeah. At least it's
2: a New York team. Yes. You know, it would (laughs) have been nice if it was the Islanders that we were playing that night, but anyways, can't (laughs) have everything. So for more thoughts on Tavares and the Leafs, we have Paul Hendrick
1: joining us for a third period segment. Okay. So from the 1980s and for over 40 years, he's covered the Leafs as a broadcaster and a senior Leafs reporter. For our third period segment, we want, we're welcoming to the show, Paul Hendrick. So Leafs Nation knows.
3: (laughs)
2: I could do one. (laughs) So Leafs Nation knows Paul, aka Henny, as the voice of Leafs TV, which later became Leafs Nation Network. From morning practice to pre and post game shows and everything in between, Paul shared his passion and knowledge of the Leafs with Leafs Nation. So welcome to the show, Paul.
3: Yay, I've got the candle (laughs) pause here. (laughs) (laughs) thank you ladies Uh, a big fan and uh, i just uh applaud both your passions so you know you you think of sport as predominantly a male game but those days are long gone by and uh, Mm. i I appreciate your knowledge and and passion that you bring to the hockey club and it is the toronto maple leafs and Mm. i was 10 when they won their last cup i remember like it was yesterday and wow. we are in. We are in a zone that could possibly see them accomplish this miracle. It's not an easy mountain to climb because uh, there are thirty-one other teams who want to do the same thing. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's well, a, it's we're going to get into that. Yeah. Yes, all right. Yeah, let's
1: <laughs> let's let's get into that uh, Maple Leafs. Maybe going towards winning a Stanley Cup. So. We just want, I guess we're just past the quarter point of the NHL season, obviously. And um, has anything surprised you about the, the Leafs team? Maybe like whether it be positive or negative. I know most of the time you're always positive, right? That's what I've, <laughs> right. and I actually, as a fan, I, I always, both me and Sale we always saw that. But um, yeah, if you have anything negative that you think that's might need yeah. improving too.
3: Well, I'm going to, I'm going to dwell on the positive and I'll tell you why I, this, this team's coming off back to back 100 point seasons. And, and let's not talk playoffs because you've got to have those seasons to get to the playoffs. AKA Ask Buffalo 12 years uh, and AKA B Ask Ottawa now looking like it's going to be their eighth straight year after uh, coming within a goalpost in 2017 of up setting Pittsburgh and going to the Stanley Cup final and likely winning it. It's, it's that hard. Uh, Ron Hainsey talked about it. You know, we yeah, we won a cup. I, I got to the playoffs for the first time in my career. But if that puck is an inch one side or the other, I'm not talking yeah. to you about this. So um, it's, it's a blessed time, I think, in Leafs Nation, and it has been. Uh, you look back to that draft and well, 2015, you get Mitch, and then you get Austin, and before that, William Nylander. and a few years before that, uh, Morgan Riley. Uh, really outstanding players. Then you throw John Tavares into the mix, um, and this is a club that is built to win. This is an entertaining hockey team. Are they perfect? No, none are. Uh, they've got some—they've got some obvious needs, uh, like you know, third-line center I think has to be improved. They can use a middle pairing quality defenseman. They're going to get Timothy Lilligren back very shortly. Mark Giordano, Mm -hmm. hopefully not too far. Um, Benoit Lagoson, those two guys, how fantastic have they been in terms of sort of getting the team through to that next level? It's a good hockey club. Sheldon's got this team playing the way he wants them to play. It's been a work in progress over the last five years. Mike Babcock, as good a coach as he is, and, and he is a good coach. He's controversial in many other ways. He knew with that young club that he was inheriting that they had a lot of learning to do. They had to learn how to lose. They had to learn how to mature. Now that core group, especially the young core group, they're into this league seven, eight years deep. It's a really good hockey club, but it does have its flaws. But I'd rather be where we are right now than where some of those other clubs are right now. They haven't really played that well when you think about it. And look where that look where they are in the Atlantic. It's knocking on the door and Boston's not running with it.
2: Yeah, yeah that's totally and, true. And um, yeah, yeah, they, we have not seen their best hockey yet. So like, for example, Mitch Marner has not played his best yet this season uh, by a long stretch. Normally he likes to kick it into gear sometime after Christmas. So I don't know if it's the Turkey or what, but, um, but yeah, so like I'm expecting him to really up his game. So who knows um, what will happen in the in the second half, right?
3: Yeah, and so, and general, well, I'm sorry. I mean, William ahead. Nylander carried this team early on. Now it's Austin. Totally, Mitch. Yeah, Mitch will get his turn. Yeah. I mean, this is the this is the buffet hockey buffet that we all dream of. You know, you got your coconut <laughs> shrimp, and you've got you know, it, you've got everything. You've got such quality. And the talk of well, they're probably going to have to trade one of those guys to accommodate some other players in depth in the lineup. Those guys aren't going anywhere. William Nylander is no. not going anywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, sorry, I, I, I didn't mean to touch you. I'll...
2: No, no, no <laughs> worries. No worries. Yeah. Uh, so we, we've talked about those three guys. So what about John Tavares? So he just scored his thousandth uh, NHL career point versus the Islanders. How poetic a week ago, yeah. right? So can you give us some thoughts on Tavares that you had, like his career from your time covering him as Leafs captain?
3: Steady. You know what you're going to get. Uh I'm not gonna use the Winnie the Pooh, my EO, but you know what? Just that uh, mm-hmm. just hums along. It's like you turn on your HVAC at home. It works. It just hums along. The end of the day, the house is heated, everything's good. He he is so important in that room and settling down the other guys. That's that's something we don't really see. Uh, Joe Thornton was brought in, you know, at certain points of time to help with the Mitches and the Austins. Now those guys have matured; they're the leaders in the room, and John's just able to do his thing and record a point a game. I'll tell you, a few years ago in that back-to-back situation where the Leafs had to fly into Long Island, and that was the loudest, most bitterest proud uh, I've ever been a proud of. I'm walking from the Marriott across the parking lot to Manassau County Coliseum. All those tailgaters, they knew who we were. And it it was just terrible. Now, the Leafs had played a game the night before. They didn't have anything in the tank, and that result was predictable. But I did see a few coming back. This club's coming back here in a couple of weeks. Your team will have played on a back-to-back situation. Watch what happens. And JT scored two goals, including the winning goal. He's just, he's a class person. Uh, his parents worked their tails off to accommodate his hockey career. Uh, mom and dad, mom doing a lot of the driving. Dad, uh, as a contractor, not not able to get to a lot of these events. Uh, but blessed with great athletic genes. Uh, you know, the, the father-son trip, you look up and you saw his dad, and all I saw was his uncle, John Tavares, former lacrosse great, and uh, second-team All-Canadian for Wilfrid Laurier University in football. He plays one-year football. He's a second-team All-Canadian at safety. I used to do the games for CHCH back then. John's blessed with those athletic gifts, and he's a quality guy, never gets too high, never gets too low. And I, I remember we went back in Darcy Tucker's first game back after taking out Mike Pekka in the playoffs. And I thought that was bad. And I'm in you know, in the Zamboni area getting ready to do my open on TSN. And I'm telling you about the homophobic comments coming out of the crowd down toward me. And I'm going, I'm married. Oh, I've got two kids. Like, I just oh worked for this. God. It was loud. It was yeah. loud and it was awful. Um, yeah. That's the well, so beauty they were of actually those
1: fans. I, That was the yeah. question I was going to ask you. So they were actually directing it at, at reporters, too. Anything, anything Canadian. Oh, and, I, and I'm getting okay. ready.
3: Three minutes oh. and twenty second seconds open for our broadcast on TSN. A lot of elements to this. And I just, you got to stay in the zone and take a deep breath. But, it's you know, you look up and around you and these fans are wow yeah Uh, yeah. so it was bad but the john going back and to get back tied all up in a nice bow yeah Uh, it was a great signing i know it's offset things in terms of what they wanted else to do Uh, but you think of where Columbus is now and the lack of centers they're hard to get so even if you have to go out and spend 11 million dollars to bring a guy back to his hometown i think it was a wise investment and again as i said to a bunch of people last year only two teams were happy with last year's season, Vegas Knights and the Chicago Blackhawks. They're the only two, you know, so a lot of us are going to be disappointed, but at least we've got a chance to say that maybe next spring, our club can be in the mix. And you ladies are talking late into May, hopefully, and yeah, possibly hopefully. June. Yeah. yeah,
2: exactly. Well, I mean, I mean it's nice. true. Like, like we were talking about a little bit before we got on air here, here that, uh, you know, we, we've all been there for the lean years and, you know, we, we never ever could have imagined that we would have players of this caliber to be watching day in, day out who can, you know, put on the kind of fireworks that we saw just the other night, you know, in the 11th hour of the game. Um, yeah. So we, we are really so blessed to be able to watch yes. these guys every night. Right. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah, I was on a talk show last week out of St. Catharines, and they were saying, well, just some of the great Leaf moments I've experienced." And you know, I, I was on the ice for you know with Mats when he uh, became the all-time Leaf uh, leading scorer in his games for second and third star. I mean, I was just a thrill. Uh, but I'll tell you, the Leafs making the playoffs uh, in two thousand seventeen, uh, being you know in that game against Pittsburgh, and you've got uh, Connor Brown and Casperri Kapanen scoring those big goals uh yeah. and then a big save at the mm-hmm. other end um the backup goaltenders i'm just you know you went down and won two cups uh brian i'm, I'm oh, 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 oh. oh it'll come elliot to
1: elliot right? not brian Don't elliot no no just,
3: i know his dad could build oh. directed a oh, um, bunch Pittsburgh. of my university sport no yeah no for yeah, he stopped crosby it was toronto uh it was a right to left save anyway huh? um anyway yeah, anyway, it, oh. it, that was fantastic. And then they lose the next thing, Columbus, but it didn't matter. Leafs were in the playoffs and they're getting ready to go play Columbus. It's right. it's really an exciting feeling when you know once the regular <laughs> season's over, you're going to get to see some pretty neat hockey for six or seven games.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, exactly. All right, so we talked about Tavares, and now we're going to head over to the Shanna plan. <laughs> yes. Um So you were... You were there for most of, uh, I guess, the start of Shanna Plan, day yeah. one, yeah. And so what insights do you have about, if any, about the man behind the plan, Brendan Shanahan? Like-
3: well, yeah. Brendan's, you know, an Etobicoke boy, uh, grew up by three or four brothers, uh a scrappy household. You know, uh, his mother mm-hmm. passed away, unfortunately, uh, way before... Any of the family would have expected, and his little mother, who's just a peach, she's she's four, she's three foot fifteen. She's just just a goer and brought up that family. Um, you know, brother Brian was a colleague of mine on Toronto rock lacrosse when uh, they won those championships back in the early years, uh, starting at Maple Leaf Gardens. Uh, I don't know the other guys, but they're just a solid Etobicoke family. Uh, Brendan's exceptionally bright, exceptionally. Um, competitive and, and, and you know, we've, we've enjoyed a good go. Hasn't been totally successful, no. Uh, but as I mentioned, only one club's going to be happy at the end of the season come mid June. I'm um, hoping it's Toronto, but I, but I think he's done, uh, I think he's done a really, really good job. And it's funny, you know, a few years ago, my last year, we were in Los Angeles and, and Brendan came out in the hallway. We were waiting, waiting on a game day to talk to Sheldon and, uh, he said, you guys want to talk to me? And it was uh, like, you know, Kevin <laughs> McGran. I said, come on in. And uh, anyway, it was impromptu and I, I, I got, I forget how I led off. The, I, I, I got to do the first question, which was a, a nice part, yeah. but you wanted, I, I got the, 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 the press conference going in a certain area. And the gist of all of it was that this is a young team. And I, I he talked to me, we're, up in the press box with Billy Ranford later that night, just sort of moseying on by. And he said, I mean, it was an interesting first question. And I said, I don't know. I look at this team like we are bringing up our children. They've got to have structure. You've got to be tough. But that structure has to be pushed aside every now and when, when the young, odd young buck is kicking out and you've got to take the good with the bad. So the uh, the odd giveaway, the odd pizza pass up the middle that's picked off, you got to put up with all of that Uh, Be stern with your your parenting, yet live with those mistakes to get to where you think you can go. And that was, you know what, that was March of 2020. That was just before COVID shut the whole league down. That was my last road trip. And uh, it was just interesting. to. to, And he agreed with that, to get that perspective. But uh, as much as I'd ever talked to him, we never had a sort of an intimate sort of Mm -hmm. chat like that, you know. Do you you think the...
1: I guess, like, the style of the team, the way it is so offensive, whereas he was such, like, more of a, a gritty player,
3: right? Like, it, do you it, think... He's pretty offensive, too, though. I mean, you look yeah. at his Yeah. He's, yeah, he's in but he hall. had...
1: He was yeah. more like a Wendell Clark kind of player, let's just say, right? Like, more yeah. of that style, but obviously, yeah, and, and scoring goals. But I don't know. I just see how, like, the vision of the, of the plan for him mm-hmm. to actually have these four offensive stars and... Yeah. And not have so much of the grit, although it's slowly coming And I just think that's
3: kind of interesting. The it way is. It's so hard to get it, you know. You think of Luke Shen coming in last year, and perfect. And Luke was ostracized as, you know, having snowshoes for skates back early on in his career. Now he was the savior. And I'll tell you, you know, there were a lot of differences in that series win over Tampa. Uh, But I put Luke in the top three when when Helt is going, you know, to a handbasket. And there's Luke right in the middle of the two benches. He played with these guys with two Stanley Cups, and he's getting it left and right. And he just got this smug look on over, I'll fight whoever you want. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. it, I think it made a difference to that bench, especially with the uh, ability to, weigh, to win the way they did in uh, in Tampa. I'm, I thought they would have played the entire series. Yeah, that they yeah. won in six. And I think Luke had a, a great deal to do to, to do with that. Um, you know, Archie and, and Noel, you know, I, I like the quality he brought, but, they, but they've got to find some grinding kind of guys. Uh, and this season's not a sprint; it's a marathon. But that said, a trade deadline—you know, Christmas is right around the corner. The deadline's just, you know, a couple of months after that. Yeah. Uh, so um, I, they've got to get that without a question. Without question, yeah. they got to get that, and I'd like to see them get that. I'd like to see them get two defensemen, bit of a quality middle middle pairing guy, and a little bit of depth uh, on the on the third pairing. Uh, with that Luke Shen kind of tempo that he can bring to the game. I I couldn't give you a name. Uh, You know, that's for the likes of, you know, the Draegers and the Elliots and and those guys. uh, But they're out there, those guys.
0: They are definitely. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu slash visit. Be out there.
2: Yeah. Okay, so this is our holiday season show, and we were wondering if you could share uh, one or two Mm. of your favorite Maple Leafs Christmas stories or memories. At that, you know, from that time of year.
3: Yeah, you know, it it was always uh, great coming home on a Leaf road trip where they'd had success and you're on the team charter and it was a good feel about everything. And we always sat at the back of the plane uh, Joe Bowen, Harry Neal, uh, Mark Askin, my producer, myself, Jim Ralph uh, as well. Uh, just a seat ahead of us, and and possibly a producer um, like Nicole Burns, whose husband uh, Jordan Bean is now the one of the video coaches for the club, or uh, Rob Burling, and I, I had a, a bunch of camera people, all very important people. But players inevitably would come back. Wade Belak would come back. Uh, just a bunch of guys, um, uh, goalies, and to, to to talk hockey. But I'm back there and uh, getting. Skewer, chicken skewers, or something. And John Paul, player played with the team uh, back when Pat Quinn was coaching and Paul Maurice was coaching. A ninth round pick out of the University of Minnesota, Uh, just one of the nicest, nicest people you'd ever want to meet. You can call him a journeyman player, but he did get the better part of four seasons in the National Hockey. We're back there and having a beer, and John asked me. He goes, "Henny, who signs your checks?" It was an interesting question. I said. It's the same people who sign your checks. But I said, I'll tell you this, John, if a question has to be asked, it will be asked, but it will be asked with respect. And I know I will get the same answer either or depending somebody else asks it or I will ask it. But if it has to be asked, it will be asked. And, and I've never been questioned from management or ownership or my bosses as to what I've asked and what I can or cannot ask. So we got into that. And then we're talking about Christmas. I said, it's just so great. My kids are younger. And, you know, I, the magic of that, I haven't lost since our days of when I was a kid living in Naranda, back driving to Ottawa to see my grandparents in those rural farm settings with lights on and just the coziness and love that I felt as a young boy inside those houses. And I said, what was it like for you growing up in Rochester, Minnesota? And he go, oh my God, my brothers and I, we couldn't wait for Christmas. And my mom would get us all ready for bed, And and, and all of a sudden we'd hear a stomping on the roof. Well, it was John's dad who did this every year, the ladder and just doom, doom, doom and mom, Santa's here, and he's not bringing presents until you guys are in your bed and asleep. And John said, you know, it took a few years before they realized what the hell was going on. But it just, it just lit his heart up so much. Um, remembering, you know, that Minnesota Christmas and, and dad on the roof, uh, pretending he's, he's uh, Rudolph and Santa and, and all that stuff. And so, and, and yeah, you know, John's like, yeah, it is to Chrissy Wendell, <laughs> one of the great, great players in U.S. college history. I was just going, I, I just wikipedia her. She was the fifth woman to play in the World Little League Series. She was a catcher for the Minnesota champions and Olympic gold, no Olympic medalist, but world champion medalist. Uh, and just, uh, I remember John forgot his passport one time and had to meet us at the airport as we're getting ready to go through customs. Just such a nice person, you know. <laughs> And she and John, they've got three girls right now and moved on and former National Hockey Leaguer, but one of the one of the really good guys and pleasures mm-hmm. to meet uh, in my career with the hockey club.
2: I wonder if he's doing the stomping on the roof thing for his girls. Now.
3: You know what? <laughs> you know what? I, that's dangerous, right? It is. <laughs> like, like I, I see groin pole all over that. coming off the roof all the, Yeah. You know, you got to give Santa his due. He's been doing it for mm-hmm. years, and maybe the odd injury, but he never misses a he never misses a December twenty fourth appearance.
2: The one thing I remember for um Christmas with the Leafs is um yeah the person who comes to mind always for me is Johnny Bauer. Um, Fanta. with the song. Yeah. yeah. And with the song that he, he did at Christmas, like way, Hon- way back. Um, what is it? Honky the Christmas goose or Hon- something. I don't honky remember.
3: Honky the-, the Christmas goose. Yeah. Yeah. John. <laughs> yeah, is, that so, not, is that not the greatest little cube of sugar there ever was? In totally. Bauer? Totally. What? Yeah. I met him under my daughter who was a, a play, you know, high level of hockey, a goaltender. And I said, Caroline, I've got to introduce you to this guy. He's the master of the poke check because Caroline got burnt badly in a game against Oakville a week previous. And Johnny just said, I can't tell you exactly how to do it, but when you do it, you've got to do it with confidence. And it's like mm-hmm. anything in life, you got to be confident, right? Even if you don't think you're confident, do it with confidence. So I just mm-hmm. a this. I mean, Caroline, uh, this is this is Johnny Bauer. And it was it was quite a moment. It was a moment for me, more so for her. She was 12 years old at the time. Yeah. <laughs>
2: that is the best advice, though, for sure.
3: Yeah. OK, so yeah.
2: Now, now we have um a special segment uh, that we like to do with our first time guests. It's, it's called the For the Fans Q&A. It's just a series of questions just to get to know a little bit more about Paul Hendrick, the person and the hockey mm-hmm. man. So are you game to do that?
3: And I'm honored that you're asking. Sure.
2: (laughs) All right. So Chris is going to take us off with that.
1: All right. So you mentioned growing up in Ruan, Randa. Uh, So the first question we have growing up in Quebec, who is your uh, favorite player and your favorite team?
3: Okay. I'm going to ask you, who do you think it was? (laughs) (laughs) Dave Pion. It was. Okay. So my sister, Susan, her best friend uh, was and partly is still uh, Christine Hillman. Christine's uncle is Dave Keon. 67 Stanley Cup, couple of weeks after winning the cup, Hugh get her mother calls my mom, get Paul over here. Dave's coming over in 10 minutes. And I was on my bike with the monkey bars and the mm-hmm. banana seat. And I was just wailing in the backyard. And in around the corner came Dave Keon, and we got to talk to Dave for about half an hour. I had his autograph, black and white beehive uh, corn syrup card for, I think it disintegrated in university, but it was with me for a long time. And and I was an altar boy, Blessed Sacrament Parish up there, Monday to Friday, Mass at 8 a.m. It's just me, Monsignor Caulfield or Father Hogarth. There was a Polish couple on one side. Dave's mother and uh, dad on the other side. So when Dave's dad passed away in 70, 70 I mean, I, the years are a little hazy now. Uh, we got a call to call the school, grade seven. Father Hogarth says, I need Hendrick and Brewer down at the church in 45 minutes. We knew we we're getting to do the wedding. I have five bucks for it. That was 500 packs <laughs> of hockey cards. And I, I, it, it, normally you get A buck for a wedding, 50 cents for a funeral. Uh, But I remember telling Gabe after that, you know, that was the most lucrative funeral I'd ever been to. And he was laughing. But it was a cold, cold January day. The entire Leaf team had flown up. and I'm down there with the incense addressing the congregation. I'm 12 years old. And uh, that's something I'll never forget. But Dave Keon, and there's a whole host of players from up there as well. But Dave was my favorite. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And your team, obviously, was the... Toronto, it was the Leafs? Yeah.
3: <laughs> hey, it was either Montreal or Toronto. That's how simple it was back then. Mm-hmm. Rouen was predominantly French, Noranda, a mosaic of English. But we're talking post-World War II, Ukrainian, Italian. I can go on and on, Finnish, uh, They cheered for the Leafs. And then in mm-hmm. juvenile hockey, the Rouen Citadels, the Noranda Copper Kings, Jean Houle on one side, Dale Talon on the other. It was a magical place to grow up in. Uh, become a hockey fan and then eventually many years later you know mark askin and i and my producer were sitting you know in pittsburgh on the leaf bus and there's pat quinn sitting in front of us we were you know seasoned adult journalists but it's still you still never lost that thrill of saying oh my god look what we get to yeah. do yeah 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 okay
2: wow. right. so suddenly. So you have this incredible longevity in sports broadcasting, obviously. Yeah. So looking back, um, was working in sports always on your radar or was there a pivotal moment you could point to where you knew that this was going to be your journey?
3: Yes, it was always there. I was sports editor mm-hmm. of uh, our yearbook bu- at Lorne Park Secondary in Mississauga. Uh, but then I thought I wanted to get into law school. And a C-minus average in four years at U of T. And I think I wrote the second lowest LSAT mark in the history of the province. So there's your pivotal mark. And my my daughter's a lawyer. And I know how mm-hmm. hard she worked. And I think it was just meant, you know, all in all to do what I wanted to do. Uh, to Ryerson got in. The guy said, why would you want to come here for another four years? You've just spent four years at U of T. My dad mentioned there's this... Uh, Course called Career Canada. I went in there, um, and six weeks later, uh, got a job in Sault Ste Marie, uh, working in television and radio. And that was uh, August twenty second, nineteen seventy nine. So, and then from there, the fuse was lit. Uh, The passion, just I was covering news for a year: school board, city council, public utilities commission. And then uh, the opening came up in sports and I got to move in there and Terry Chris, the coach and Ron Francis, and uh, I can go, ahead. they had a hell of a um, hockey team and just, I was doing the games on cable for Algoma steel. The shift workers come off at midnight. They get to watch that game from one o'clock to four o'clock. And it was just a great learning round. So yeah. Uh, the 41 years, those, those years in Sault Ste. Marie were very, very valuable. And I still have friendships up there to go back uh, to this very day.
2: Well, so sometimes it's good to not not have the best grades, eh?
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, my, they were okay. I just finished a, a, a Spanish course at TMU. I'm back into it, mm-hmm. and I, I mm-hmm. remember those night courses with the older people in there. And I used to hate them because they were so energetic and wanting to learn. Meanwhile, you know, the younger kids have all sort of okay. been at school all day. And I, I said, I was telling some of them now I'm one of those quick story. I remember second class or third class, our prof breaks us off into study rooms. The exam was in person, but everything else was online. And I see this pretty young woman laughing at me. And I'm going, is this one of my daughter's friends? It was Martina Louise Ortiz, Ortiz. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. our, our, our anthem. Song. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. It, it was her. So we took, we took Spanish together and, She's uh, she's doing some great things. She's an extremely, wow. extremely <laughs> talented person. And oh, totally. uh, uh, there's going to be more to be heard from her in English, Italian and Spanish. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: All right. So next question we have for from covering uh, from your career covering the Leafs, who is the best player or coach interview
3: that you that you did? that you think? I know you,
1: so many. But, so many.
3: And, yeah. and, and, and I'll tell you what, when I say I love them all. I love them all. I'm going to have to go Pat Quinn. He was such a gentleman. He was so good of his time. Paul Maurice was outstanding. Ron Wilson and I know a lot of the guys in my business didn't like Ron, but I, I really cared for Ron and he was good mm-hmm. to us. Uh, it was just about respect and sometimes there wasn't respect coming his way and he just fired it back the other mm-hmm. way. You know, he talked yeah. to you know some reporters that Christmas Day when Ronnie decided to announce his contract extension and the guys all had to work. I was just Ronnie sticking it right back at them. That was violent. That's <laughs> but that's Ronnie, right? So uh, those, I think, you know, Pat, without a doubt, uh, Paul Maurice, even Pat Burns, uh, he was the first coach when I started covering the team in the mid-90s. Uh, I'm scared to death of him but we were in a bar in Winnipeg and there was a broadcaster that he did not want sitting at our table. And I didn't know Pat, but I came into the bar in the West and he goes, Hey, young fella, you sit right here. Cause it was the empty chair. I don't want so-and-so. I don't want to mention his name, but yeah, yeah. I don't want so that so-and-so son of a bee sitting right here. So I got to sit with Pat Burns and you get to know him and just, wow. a, just a true gentleman. And yeah, there were a lot of coaches, yeah. but, yeah. Hamilton's own Pat Quinn and Dan Robson's book. He, he was on my podcast a couple of years ago. His book on Pat Quinn is an absolute must read as is mm-hmm. Scotty uh, uh the book on Scotty Bowman. So um, anyway, Pat, Paul and Paul Murray. Yeah. Just just great, any... great answers. Right.
1: Yeah. 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 He's still any great. Pl- He's still great. Oh yeah. Yeah. Any players that. Uh, oh
3: yeah. A lot of times like game time. Uh, the, the morning of a um, producer say, hey, first intermission, we're going to do so-and-so of beliefs." Uh If it was Alan McCauley, Tom Fitzgerald, uh, mm-hmm. you knew you were going to get a great, great answer. Um, Stumpy Thomas, another one. And I can go on and on. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the one that stands out, and I've talked about this with other people before, Luke Shen. The <laughs> Leafs have lost like seven straight games They're playing Florida on a Monday night. You know those Monday nights, how anticlimactic mm-hmm. they were. Shannon's on the ice for first goal, forty-eight seconds in. Then he's on the ice at the end of the period with about thirty seconds in. So he's dashed to, and he's our guest. So part of me is going, "Okay, I've got to talk to him about it." I, I you know, my credibility is on the line. This is live, and Mark's in my ear saying, "Luke, he may, he may ditch you." And I go, "He's not going to ditch me. That's not the guy he is." And this is the reason you cultivate relationships. So Luke comes out. And, and, and I, so, but I've got to address it right away. And I said, look, what's happened has happened. What do you and your teammates have to do over the course of the next 40 minutes to get a win in tonight's game? So you share the, you share the culpability and he goes, this is all on me. And as soon as I'm done this interview, I've got to go inside that room and apologize to each and every one of my teammates. And it, it, it was a high end response to him. And I know afterwards he came over and he thanked me, uh, for putting him in a position to succeed. And I I still think you can ask the questions in the right way and get the same answer without coming off as a punk or an a-hole. I I think to me, respect is what it's all about, about covering people over a course of a long period of time, eight, nine months and and enhancing and developing those relationships. It doesn't always work. Uh, It's not always easy. But uh, those those are things that stand out for me and, and, you know, three gentlemen in particular who I really enjoy talking to.
2: So looking back on your work with the Leafs and Leafs TV, um, I mean, I think you might have just mentioned some examples there. But what are are the things that you're most proud of from that time?
3: Well, getting that network started, uh, John Shannon got it started. And ladies, I'll tell you, man, had you guys been doing your thing back then? there'd have been a section for you people. John, we had to fill 24 hours of television. We used to do a (laughs) show called uh, Game Time on Saturday nights that we would just talk hockey. And it was for people, even though the game was on, we didn't have the game. Somebody wants to call in and piss and moan about what the Leafs were doing. They could. And it was just filling up time. And it was like, Three hours, which they could run throughout the night. But those were the early years. And so there was a lot of sacrifices and time involved. And we did a lot of storytelling. I remember uh, the night before Matt Sundin's banner is, is raised and, and he was rather hoarse because he'd been out late with the likes of Jeff O'Neill and that whole gang that he hangs out with. <laughs> but we sat down in a nice, cool uncool, dark uh, lit studio with those big leather comfy chairs. I'd been in Philly the night before, but I had all my research done. And we got a chance to sit down and talk his career. And I was in the lobby of the Brook Street Hotel when he was in the midst of the relief trying to trade him. I knew he was on the phone to Boreas Salmon. And it was like, you know, Brian Lina. And what was the nature of that conversation? And Mats was bringing, he just said, you don't ever leave the Toronto Maple Leafs on your own doing. This is the Toronto Maple Leafs and your Matt Sundin. If you leave, it's on them, not on you. And it was a really difficult decision because at the time, I think John Ferguson Jr. was hoping to recoup something uh, for an asset that was, you know, a, a, a coming down just a bit. But it was still Matts, and um, and you know, from a business perspective, it was trying to do it. But it's not easy to do when you've got to pull the plug on one of your star franchise and best players of all time. And there's Matt's in the middle of that decision, so he's in the lobby. I see him on the phone coming in, so I was able to ask him about that. He was able to 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 to, to, to really get into it. It's it's an interview. I'm very very proud about talking about him growing up and and all these things and coming over to Canada and uh, a bit of a pioneer, if you will. Laurie was the ultimate pioneer, um, but it's funny. And the 13 years I got to cover him. In that interview, it was the first time he ever responded to a question and called me Paul during the other times he never did. it was just his way, right? It was just his way, so it felt kind of good, but it also knew matt's he could he could relax, he could relax mm-hmm. he was no longer the captain of the team having to answer all those questions, tough questions that many times uh, he had to answer mm-hmm. in his career, yeah,
2: well, that's It'd be nice to be able to see that interview again now, you know, like after all these years, like, I don't even know where you would find that.
3: <laughs> well, and, and, and MLSC has it in their archives. They've got a yeah. lot of, there's a lot of me in those archives. Cause we, like, you know, <laughs> know they, we were we were just putting as much uh, entertainment on as possible and as quality mm-hmm. as we could. So I know if we had an opportunity to sit down and talk to players like Leaf Classics, I remember sitting down and talking to Ron Ellis about a big fight in Atlanta in a playoff game Half the leaf bench was in the in the box. He played the other, but Ronnie, for the life of him, couldn't remember. You know, I know as I'm getting older. You know, you know uh, what game is that? So I would brief him. I would. He goes, okay, let's go with it, and then. Uh, but I had to sort of guide him through it. More, I remember it because I was like, I wrote my last university essay to graduate from U of T. Goodbye, varsity. I can't, re- I can't get out of here quick enough. But I didn't start that essay until after that game was done because it was just such a bum, bum, bum. And I, <laughs> anyway, I get to talk to Ronnie, another <laughs> class guy as well, uh, about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: All right. So what are you up to this these days now, now that you're no longer, I guess, Going 100 miles an hour reporting on the Leafs.
3: (laughs) Uh, You'll see me on Lake Ontario beaches in a Hawaiian shirt with a (laughs) a metal detector. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you, the the first year was a bit of a transition, but I did a podcast called The First Question. It's something I'm very proud of. We did 36 shows in six months. And I'll tell you, I read books. They were well-researched. Ken Dryden came on. His book about Scotty Bowman is a must, must must-read. and, and the people were very good with their time. Dave King talking about uh, his Team Canada uh, winning the uh, Isvestia tournament in 1987. And there was no television of it. But you think Miracle on Ice in 1980 was huge? This was very comparable to the—they beat all the best teams over there with a, a group of an American, American hockey leaguers. But Dave prepared that team for the one game. Uh, and they won. And it was— it was, and then of course the next year, Olympics in Calgary and the Soviets just kick ass. But then his vestia was their motivating tool. Um, and I remember him coming out, he didn't know I'd signed off. I hadn't signed off yet, but I was just trying to do it. And he turned around and said to the wife, That guy knew more about me than I knew about myself. And it was kind of neat to hear that. Uh, it mm-hmm. was because when you've got your stuff ready and you you don't even get to all of it. Because you got to, you know, you have to follow up on certain questions and keep moving. Bruce Boudreaux is another great one. Growing up uh, with um, Mark and Marty Howe because they played together in the Marleys, and you know, going over to Gordy's place and Mark saying, "Dad, hey, can we get tickets to the Tiger?" And Gordy picks up the phone and and phone. Oh, uh, um, well, I forget who the, the shortstop was. Yeah, no problem. I'll leave them for you. Like I remember the Detroit Tigers and. I'm mm-hmm. Gordy. Just anyway, just, yeah. just just storytelling's great. And as my wife says, I could talk to a brick wall. I can. And and so I, so I did the podcast that first year. Uh, we get to Spain now that, you know, COVID's lighten- lighten- uh, lightening up. Uh, my wife's family is from Spain. Uh, Alicia was born. Same hospital as I was. Sudbury General. Eight years apart. Pure coincidence. But uh we get over there and we're going back over there. Uh, I take Spanish all the time. I'm I'm proud with how far I've come with the language and uh but I gotta keep going, right? It's and that keeps the cobwebs loose. Uh, and I'm getting a hip, I'm getting a new hip in May, which is a bit of a drag, oh. but I'm looking forward <laughs> to getting that completed <laughs> as well. So Well, we'll help with all
2: that. the all the long walks in Spain will be
3: much easier after that, right? in the hikes and and all that stuff so we're here we're up in calling we're we're it uh, the, the last couple of years has been a bit of a transition but i think we're in a nice happy medium where i don't know how we did any of the stuff we did bringing up two kids paying off mortgages all doing our jobs at as high as a level we we'd hope to achieve it at and still got things done i, I just don't i don't know how that happened because now we just have more time to get it done and quite enjoying it no, That's great.
2: Well, yeah. we know that you'll you'll always be around to uh, talk Leafs um, when called upon. So, so that's really really great. So, with that in mind, then, so this is our final question for you. What is your outlook then for the second half uh, for the Leafs this year?
3: Everything's based on the foundation of health. <laughs> Mitch took that puck in the in the chops, and I was going whoa. But if if the club can stay relatively healthy, uh, Ilya Samsonov has got to get his game together. Freddie Anderson had time psychologically handling the pressures of the game, and I totally respect that. I mean, mental health affects all of us, but they've got good people working with Ilya. He's got a sense of humor. He's a tremendous athlete, and I'd like to see him find his game. I'd like to see Joseph get back from that high ankle sprain. We I mean, you know, Lilligan's coming back soon, but everyone's different. Uh, And these things, James Reiner, I remember him working on the Marley sheet coming back over uh, long after everybody left. Six months getting over his high ankle sprain. I'm hoping that's not the case with Joseph Wall, uh, because I'd like to see him get back. But there's enough talent up front to masquerade maybe some nights like we saw the other night when Columbus lights Toronto up for six goals. uh, (laughs) But the team in front of you know max has got to be better he knows that and he's going to get but that'll happen some nights there's some beer league hockey moves that you just sort of damn but i so the the long long answer short i'm going to shorten it they're going to be in the mix we've got a chance and that's all Mm -hmm. you can ask for it's a good Mm -hmm. hockey club and it's a good coach and it's a great staff as well and their facilities are incredible the toronto marley's Mm -hmm. facilities are better than most facilities in the national hockey league
2: I believe Sometimes. it. I mean that's yeah. they've got that's, the, for sure. that's yeah. where they can use their money, you know, right?
0: We yeah. got the yeah. cap the- in
2: other in, in other situations, but that's that's definitely where they can spend the extra cuz that part's not capped. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Right? yeah. 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 Well, thanks very much Paul for coming on. It was uh some of the, the stories that you have, especially Pat Burns, really got me. I wish <laughs> your story about Pat Burns. It's uh, that n- time in the early 90s, but um, that, that's special for me will. and still. But yes. yeah.
3: 95, 96, where it was Winnipeg. You can check the broadcast. I'm just not going to get into it because he did not <laughs> want that guy. Sitting we, that guy. we may
2: have to. We may. We may have to look we'll have into to- that, you know, just for our yeah. own curiosity to satisfy that. But yeah. Yeah, thank yeah. you so much for coming on, Paul. And, and we reserve the right to uh, ask you on again, if you don't mind, because we have th- all this conversation has brought up so many more questions and you are the yeah. basically a leaf's encyclopedia. So, um, yeah. and you, yeah. like you said, like you really cultivated that storytelling. Yeah. And I think that's something that is sometimes lost, you know, in this day and age with quick sound bites and, and quick Twitter, um, hits, you know, um, and, and we definitely miss that. So,
3: so so thank you so much. I'm I'm a little shy, but this is an opportunity for me to come out of my, my shell. And I appreciate (laughs) that. Thank (laughs) you for doing that lady. (laughs) All right.
2: You talk soon. Merry Christmas to you.
1: Merry Christmas. So, thanks again to Paul Hendrick, a.k.a. Henny, um, for joining us. And um, yeah, it was great. I loved his uh, Christmas story. Uh, it's, I found it interesting that of all the stories that he thought of, it was John Pohl. Mm-hmm. So, I looked it up. He gave some some details about it when we talked to him um, and for our listeners. Um, and but I looked him up a little bit more. I do remember him playing three, he played three seasons with the Leafs from 2003, 2004 season. And it's funny. He was like, he was given number 21. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and he didn't know he was from the States. He said his favorite team was Minnesota at the time. So he was, he was watching them. He had no idea what number 21 meant um, to the Leafs, but, when he obviously got the number, he's like, throughout the three seasons, he was always rem- reminded by individuals, whether it be players or or team members, that um, like what the significance of that twenty one was. And it was all he said. He goes, "So I really wore it with pride." He goes, "But I wish they would have just let me change the number. They wouldn't let him change it, right? Because mm, they gave it. Mm-hmm. That was the thing at the time to give him the numbers. But yeah, so yeah, so it was great that 'cause because like he played with. Sundine, Tucker, Caberlet, McCabe. Like that was his core there. He played with Carlo Coliacomo too, mm-hmm. who we know from Overdrive, right? So mm-hmm. um yeah, but that was a great story that he had and um and so many other ones that uh that Paul shared with us. And um yeah, well, he, we, we look forward to having him on again.
2: He's basically a Maple Leafs encyclopedia. And uh the other thing that I love is that and I'm sure our um listeners will will Get this is that he has so much passion when he talks about the Leafs and the players in particular. Like you can tell that he made real connections with, with the players throughout his tenure with the Leafs. And, and I think just in doing sports broadcasting in general, like he really seems to be the type of person that that's, it's important to him, uh, to, you know, forge that relationship. And he doesn't just report. Like he says, he tells this, the story and he wants to tell the story of the players and the team. So yeah, yeah, we definitely thank, um, Paul very much for being on with us, um, on this special show. So as we mentioned, um, at the top of the show, we'll be taking a bit of a holiday break and our next episode will be on January 10th. So from now until then, the Leafs will be pretty busy because obviously now with all of the global series and everything time off that they've had. <laughs> They're going to have this condensed schedule, so they're going to be busy starting on off with a couple road games versus the Sabres on Thursday night um, this coming week, and then playing Columbus on Saturday before the Christmas break. Then they come back home to face the Senators on December 27th before playing a back-to-back to end 2023, which is a Friday night game on the 29th, again in Columbus, and then a home game on Saturday night versus Carolina. So, yeah,
1: it's just going to be that they're busy they're playing one. Yeah. Interesting that they're playing Columbus twice more. Twice. like So, like, they just played them. Well, now it's like, it'll and, be, yeah. And then we'll never see them again. And, well, they're obviously not, not going to be in no playoff picture, that team. And uh, But hopefully we'll shut down that cannon that they have there. There won't be mm-hmm. any, will be, will be the cannon because, and we'll start on time. Not like uh, this past Thursday night when... When they were playing here at uh, Scotiabank Arena. Yeah. But yeah. So then to start off 2024, the Leafs go out west for the California road trip, uh, playing the Kings on January 2nd and then the Ducks on the 3rd. Then they have a couple of days off and they come back home to play the Sharks on January the 6th. That's kind of so, hilarious. Um, yeah. <laughs> that they're out there and
2: then they come home. To play yeah. the Sharks. I mean, I know yeah. it's not like really very close, like close. if you're playing in LA versus going up to San Jose, but yeah. still, I think that's kind of funny. <laughs>
1: yeah. Actually, no, it's my mistake. They play the Sharks on Saturday in San Jose, January oh, 6th. Okay. And then, and it's just because I had my mind, they do actually the game after that, before mm-hmm. just before our, our next episode, then they come home and they play the Sharks during oh, the okay. week on the Tuesday. Right. So yeah, so but still it's kind of strange how we're playing them kind of back to back. Um, mm-hmm. I guess on the road or on the road there and then coming back home. But mm-hmm. um yeah, I was thinking that Austin Matthews is probably just gonna go home to Arizona for Christmas and um and then they have the 'cause they have the California road trip right after. Yeah, they right? just meet them over there. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> kind of. But um <laughs> yeah, but anyway, so uh yeah, so Before we go, we do want to take time to thank our podcast host, Believe Network, for getting our show out to you. And we're looking forward to another great year in 2024. Thank you to our healthcare workers and first responders for everything that they do, as always. And of course,
2: Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and Happy New Year to all of our wonderful listeners. We thank you, as always, for listening and watching Ladies Talking Leafs, presented by Online. Till next time, go Leafs, go.
1: Go Leafs, go. And Merry Christmas.
0: Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S.